0: Welcome to the Husker Twenty Four Seven Podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson here, gentlemen. Fresh off of your trip down to Big Twelve Country, did it did it feel like a family reunion of sorts? Did it uh, Did it feel like uh, a place that you you remembered? Brian Christofferson, Bruns told me before the show he had never covered a game there. What was What was the general feel for you back in Big Twelve Country?
1: Uh, it felt good. Yeah, it did. Um, Brunt's took me to a fine little restaurant Friday night, uh, in which what a burger? Said... now, what was it called Brunt's? You know the name? The press, I think. Oh yeah, the press. That's right. And they, uh, I asked for an Oklahoma lemonade. Um, and the waitress was kind enough to say, you know, that comes in a boot, right? And I was like, bring it. She <laughs> brought it. It was a little boot. I would have liked a little bigger boot, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty good meal. Uh, biscuits and gravy on every menu there. And uh, I Great. think you like the stadium, didn't you? Brunswick was kind of – it's kind of an older school stadium, I think. They didn't, like, update it like all everybody else tried to. I mean, they did update it somewhat, but they didn't expand it beyond to some ridiculous number. And it actually is pretty compact, don't you think? Is that right, Brunswick?
2: Yeah, it, it's closed in on, um, let's see, if we were on the west, that would be the the south side, I guess. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty well done. I mean, it's uh, it was plenty loud. I think that probably came across on TV. Um, but I don't know. It, it didn't seem like, I mean, I, I think, I know that people have varying opinions on whether or not that rivalry was founded on Hatred or mutual respect, but it seemed like everybody was getting along pretty well. And and I don't know, it was kind of it was kind of nice to be down there. It was it was uh, probably helped a little bit too that it was actually a well played game by both teams, all things considered.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a it was an entertaining game. It was. It didn't go as I sort of expected entirely. I mean, I I thought that it would be relatively close I, I thought nebraska would play well i just expected more points from both sides of it as you kind of reflect you know 72 hours past this this game occurring what's sort of the biggest takeaway that you michael Bruns, have about nebraska's performance against oklahoma
2: yeah i mean I, I think you know nebraska's players after that game were talking about you know, that that was a game that they should have won. And I, it, it's hard to not agree with them. I mean, they, it was right there. You had the the usual special teams blunders in the second half that cost you points. Um, I thought Nebraska did a, a masterful job of keeping Spencer Rattler contained and not allowing big plays. I mean, I kind of going back through the, the hype cast and kind of what I thought might happen in that game, I mean, I was imagining – Nebraska really struggling with Oklahoma's speed with, you know, giving up big plays and, you know, really kind of getting run off the field in some respects. And I didn't think that that was close to happening at all. I mean, I think Nebraska really gave Spencer Rattler some issues on defense. I thought offensively that was one of the better planned and executed um, series of play calls that they've had um, was under Scott Frost. So, I mean, I, aside from the penalties and the special teams and, and the offensive line play, which are, I mean, those are pretty big things. I mean, I think for the most part, you'd have to say Nebraska played a better game um, across the board than what you expected.
0: BC, what, what were your big takeaways?
1: Uh, positives first. I, I mean, going in, we were asking, is this defense – an elite or a top tier defense. And I think they showed that they possibly can be and answered more of that question uh, as a yes. I really like, you know, you have to, you have to give to get a little bit. And I think they gave a little bit in the run game um, sort of as a sacrifice of not letting Oklahoma take the top off the defense. And, you know, OU's longest pass play of the game was 23 yards and that was on the trick play. So if you had told me before the game that Oklahoma wasn't going to have one pass that was covered 30 yards, I would have said no way. I mean, I, I totally expected them to get loose a time or two. I thought Quinton Newsom was outstanding for a young corner. Um, I think he's really coming into his own. I loved how Braxton ran step for step with the guy. So I think they've got some dudes in the secondary. There's no doubt about it. Doman played a great game. Um, offensive line is sort of the uh, eyesore right now and uh, they'll have their moments they had a few plays where the pass pro was really great and you like it and then they'll just have some plays where it just looks completely dysfunctional and left guard is just sort of a hole right now I feel like Um, all in all though I didn't expect it to be a seven point game I thought Oklahoma would win by two or three scores and so I thought Nebraska played well now I feel like The Michigan state game is sort of like if you're gambling and you double down or you put, you double the chips basically from the last hand. So this is uh you, you know, either Nebraska is going to pull in both, both sets of the chips from this Oklahoma and Michigan state game. And people are going to be really happy or they're going to lose and the same pattern will cause them to lose. And people will just say, well, Oklahoma was just a missed opportunity, just like Michigan state was. So, I think they've got people sitting up in their chairs with how they played on Saturday, kind of like, okay, I thought this team sort of stunk, but maybe they don't. I'm going to give them a shot now against Michigan State, but now they got to go get some of those details right and somehow, some way find a win.
0: You see talking about doubling down, and my mind immediately just goes to uh, sitting on 11 against the Dealers 4 and and just pushing your money right there, expecting to get that face card, and they throw down a 3 on you.
1: There you go. Well, let's hope let's hope not on <laughs> as we're sitting in the press box in East Lansing Saturday night.
0: I am uh, I'm very excited for Saturday's game. It, it it feels like a big game for Nebraska. I, I perhaps um, just due to my general nature as as somewhat of a, a you know skeptic individual or cynic individual was pretty well checked out of a lot of the Nebraska Oklahoma stuff. It just doesn't. It doesn't resonate with me in the same way that it does with with people older than me, and yet I look at Nebraska, Michigan State, and every single time these teams have played, the game has had some level of stakes, and that will continue again uh, on on Saturday. Now, the last time they played, 2018 was the lowest level. I, I think Michigan State was a solid team. Nebraska was trying to find itself. They sort of used Michigan State, and that was, you could argue was their best win of that 2018 season. Uh, kind of an ugly you know, as it often is in this series, bad weather game. And I, I'm very excited, very much looking forward to this contest between these teams. I think Michigan state represents a lot of what Nebraska is going to see over the next eight games. You're, you're getting a a quintessential big 10 team that wants to use its big offensive line and run has a quarterback that works really well off of play action, has a defense that wants to try to control some things. And so I I think that this is a, a great test for Nebraska. It's a great opportunity to try to make as, as Brian was sort of alluding to all the games that it felt like they made in the Oklahoma game, make those stand up by going and performing well against Michigan state. And you got to leave with the victory. I mean, in Nebraska, they, they at some point they got to win one of these games and, and it moves from well, hey, they're right there to, Hey, they actually did it. And so this is a great opportunity for a team that is playing some pretty good football at the moment. I want to ask about a few players and their individual performances against Oklahoma. And we can just call this, uh, you can, you can tell me whether you think it's a one game wonder or the start of something. And so we'll, uh, we'll go with that. And we're going to start with Ramir Johnson. He was not on our radar last week. I don't even know if we said his name on a podcast. None of us were bold enough, brave enough, smart enough to make an oddly specific prediction that involved Ramir Johnson. Uh, if Gary Sharp did, and I forgot about it, I apologize. But I don't I don't really remember saying his name last week. And he was Nebraska's leading running back. I think he had the highest snap count. He certainly had the most yards from scrimmage from their running backs. Uh, and they got it felt like some things working with him in there. I guess we'll we'll start with this, Brian. What did you think of Ramir Johnson's performance? And do you think this is a one-week wonder? Or do you think this is a guy that can that can carry this over, and and this is something the offense can use as they try to figure out their running game?
1: I think it's something. I I don't know that he's just going to flat out run away with like okay, he's number one and everybody's way in the distance. I don't see that happening, but I do think he's a, a central part of everything from now on, um, especially with the Gabe Irvin injury. Part of that is Gabe Irvin. I think Ryan Held said it today. Brunson confirm this that was maybe their best pass pro guy right as a as a running back or had, had showed up the best I think Ramirez maybe second in their eyes in that category and with Urban out for the season now that obviously means a lot and I also thought it wasn't like he had a lot of space I thought he ran with authority when he got the ball like there was a few plays where he ran over a couple guys and got two or three extra yards had a great lead block on the Adrian touchdown um, had the obviously the big catch. He had 90 yards of offense on 14 touches, so that's not nothing. Um, I think he's, I think he'll be around.
0: Brunch, you want to add anything on Ramir?
2: Yeah, he, uh, Gabe Irvin, they said was the the best in pass pro. I think one thing that probably helped Ramirez Johnson a little bit get on the field last week is I think they wanted to get the running backs a little bit more involved in the receiving game. And I think that's why. I mean, he made a nice catch on that ball that was floated out um, into the uh, into the flat early on. That that play that Jurgens got whistled for the 15-yarder, he actually, you know, basically just had one guy to beat, um, and, and that you know could have gone the distance. So uh, I, I think that was one thing that helped him a little bit. I, I, Ryan Held today was, and he'd said this before, I think, but had kind of had a come-to-Jesus talk with Ramirez Johnson and basically said, you know, this is your chance to do something this season. And if you don't, you're probably going to get passed on the depth chart. And I think to his credit, and I, I think some people have wondered too, oh, why did he stick around when he really wasn't factoring much in the, the competition? But he's done a really nice job of, of, I think, running harder, which was evident against Oklahoma. I think the fact that he's more of a veteran guy and understands the offense helps him a little bit. I think he's a good receiver um, out of the backfield, which helps. Does that mean that he's going to be Nebraska's guy going forward? I don't think so, just because of the way that rotation seems to change week to week. But I think what he showed is against a pretty darn good defense that he's an option to go in there and not only be able to to run okay in space, but also be able to kind of run up in there and get some tough yards, which – had kind of been the knock on him in the past was that he wasn't able to run through those types of, um, I guess, play that style of offense.
0: Uh, this guy isn't a, a one-week wonder by any means because it, each game that he's actually played in, he's had at least two receptions uh, and has put up some yards. But this was sort of the game in which he announced himself with a little bit more authority. Touchdown catch, big reception on third down. Do we think that this could be the beginning of sort of a, a run for Omar Manning? Um, we'll, we'll start with Bruns. We'll work backwards on this. I
2: mean, I, I think he's playing confident football and I think, I think that touchdown catch a shows what he can do when he's given the opportunity and probably give him a little bit of confidence too. I mean, that was his first FBS touchdown catch of his career. I mean, it's, it, it yep. seems like he's been around forever, but he's got to get on the field. I mean, that's the thing. And, you know, I noticed that on Monday, Scott Frost mentioned that they needed to get Xavier Betts and Omar Manning more involved. We'll see if that happens. I mean, with the way the the rotations kind of worked, uh, those guys haven't been out there a ton. They've, they've seen their time increase. But um, it, that seemed like the kind of performance in a big game that would be able to springboard a guy. And the fact that he seems to be, you know, past the foot issue and, and, you know, being able to play a little bit more and healthy will help too. But um, you you can see the two, the the types of playmakers they have in Manning and Betts. I mean, it really showed itself against high-level
0: competition.
1: BC, you got thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to, his production is going to pop up as we go along. Um, The touchdown is the one everyone gravitates to, but just as much, right off the bat the first series on that third and 12 when he caught that ball on the move. Now that was fun. Like when you, you're like, okay, this is what it could look like when, man, when you have DB, you don't want to tackle that guy if you're a cornerback. I mean, look, I mean, you've, you've stood next to Omar Manning yesterday. That, that's, that's a dude. And so that part, if they can get some of that going where you get Manning the ball in some space across the middle, uh, full head of steam, there's ten to fifteen extra yards coming with that most every time, and so that's that's what I like, and I I, I hope I hope it's the beginning because that he he opened up yesterday. You were around it, Mike. Um, you know he's had a lot of things, some of them probably still unsaid, but you know what? Uh, he's still here, and uh, I hope it ends up being one of those amazing stories. He's got he's got a tough life story, as you know, his mother has dealt with some tough issues. We wrote about it um but I think a lot of people didn't expect he would be on the field playing for Nebraska this year if you had gone back like 12 months ago and here he is and he's got a chance now
0: yeah I mean he's he's definitely I was really impressed by him because it's not an easy thing I mean you you're going deep into sort of your your adversity that you've had young in life and and talking about the fact that you didn't really learn how to talk or you didn't really verbalize and, and talk until you were four years old because of the, the upbringing and, and a mother that is, uh, is deaf and, and learning sign language before you even knew how to speak and, and all these different things. I mean, he, he didn't completely open up and nor should he have to, but if you think about the scene, I mean, we're standing there in a press box in Memorial stadium and you got people just standing there with their cell phones, videotaping you. And you're just, Talking about this sort of uh, adversity and 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 dealing with mental health issues. I mean, it was a it was a really impressive moment and um, a guy that you know certainly I I hope nothing but the best for and and he's already achieved a lot if you think about it just to be in this position that he's in right now um, relative to to where things could have ended up in his life and and some of the the missteps that he took and and everything else and I, I think he was pretty thankful and reflective on some of that too, in that conversation. And so uh, Brian wrote a great story and, and people should be uh, checking that out at Husker 24 seven, if you haven't. Um, and it takes you deep inside. And, and you know, a lot of credit goes to Scott Frost and this coaching staff too, because they, they went after him, they stuck with them. They've, they've done that with several other guys and sometimes it bites them. And sometimes it, it works out where you get someone that uh, you're really proud of and you're really excited to have on your football team. So Omar manning cool story hopefully we see that sort of continue to, to play out you brian you mentioned this guy i thought he had a really nice game as well and and really you know teams for whatever reason continue to kind of run directly at him over there on the on the island and i'm talking about quentin Newsom. you know spencer rattler grabbed his face mask and was basically trying to pull his helmet off his head uh, he had a he had a good game on Saturday, do you, do you feel like he's kind of jumped in terms of his play uh, with, with what we saw from last year and, and through four games? Uh, is this a guy that, that could be maybe breaking out in front of us right now?
1: I think cornerback is arguably their strongest position on the team because they've got three guys taking up two spots. And I know Cam has had his issues on the other side at times. And there's a couple of plays he would like back where he, he missed a tackle and stuff like that. You know, you could debate whether the other side has actually played as well um, as. Yes, I brunch just asked on the message if there's wind chimes, and those are my wind chimes. If anybody hears them, so I hope that adds like a nice little (laughs) something to the podcast. If they hear wind chimes in the. What did
0: you hear, Slider snoring very loudly in the
1: background (laughs) here?
0: So we got a lot happening.
1: lapping dog dogs lapping water wind chimes um all that stuff but yes Quinton Newsome is playing well (laughs) I I think uh you know he he drew two 15 yard penalties against Oklahoma in that game too uh you know there was the Rattler penalty and there was the offensive PI against him he just wasn't giving up an inch and Deontay Williams the other day said when Quentin first got here, he was one of those guys who was just challenging the older guys, like going right at him, and he knew he was going to be a player, and I think you're starting to see that.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Adrian Martinez a little bit. We'll, talk, we'll get into the defense, we'll get into this Michigan State game, uh, and more. But let's take a quick break here, and we'll dive right back into things with the Husker 24-7 podcast. All right, and we are back here on the Husker twenty four seven podcast. I said I wanted to dive into a little Adrian talk, and and um, we'll start we'll start with this. I thought that was, if not the best game of his career at Nebraska, like in the top three. I mean, he he was really good with such little help from that off like. And I, I think both of you guys go back and, and watch rewatch the games. Cause I know when you're up in the press box and then you don't, you don't see everything as easily. Uh, he had some moments in that game where he hung tough in the pocket and delivered balls where they needed to be. He had some moments in that game where something broke down right in front of him and he was still able to scramble, create and make a play here or there. His one turnover functionally worked out well for Nebraska and it was a fourth and 18 and he, he had to, he had to give him a chance where, again, the pressure was right there on them before the wide receivers' routes had really developed. So I I thought it was a really good Adrian game. But the thing that I guess I walk away from and and mostly impressed by, I went into this thinking they were going to rely a lot on Adrian. But I thought it was going to be more of his legs. I thought it was going to be more designed runs. I thought he was going to have to scramble more. Oklahoma did a nice job taking away the scrambles for the most part. He... He did his damage with his arm. They did their damage in a passing game. What level of confidence do you guys sort of have that this is something that you can bottle up down in Norman and take against other big, tw- excuse me, big 10 teams as they kind of move forward because of Vokalek and Allen out there, you have Manning and Betts getting involved in this offense more. I just think they seem more dangerous in the passing game than they ever have been, uh, or at least in recent memory. How crazy am I?
2: Not, not too much. I don't think, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, for maybe not like kind of the big explosive plays, but just the little things here and there that Adrian did during that game, I think it was, it was one of his better games. And especially when he factor competition, I mean, there were times in that game where he was running for his life or he was having to, you know, dance around the pocket with a guy right in his face pretty much right from the get-go. And it's funny, we were going down in the elevator down to uh, the field after the game and there were a couple OU staffers um, with their football program who were in the elevator kind of whispering to them, whispering to each other in the back and they were talking about how impressed they were with Martinez and how much quicker he was in person versus what they had seen on film and just the, the elusiveness and keeping plays going. So I think they were pretty impressed by it. I, You know, we didn't talk about it in the first segment, but I think getting Travis Vogelek back and being able to go two tight ends was huge um, in that game. I think it gave him a little bit more power in the run game. I think it actually gives a different look in the passing game, too, that teams have to account for. And I I think, you know, with those different looks, I think it helped out Adrian quite a bit. But, I mean, there were some really – nice throws that he made um and adjustments that he made uh, on third downs especially there was that the one to austin allen that was a little bit behind him but um he made a nice throw there There there's another one on the sideline going right to left that that he made a nice throw on third down too so i i I was pretty impressed with him um you know and I, i think that aside from that illinois game i think he's played a pretty good season to this point i think that that's I I think it's more of a trend versus an outlier at this point.
1: BC. Yeah. I think people who thought the book was written on Adrian Martinez have to at least now start to legitimately leave open that it wasn't. And that the off season chatter about him had some reality. Levi Falk was talking about that today with reporters. He's like, we weren't just saying that stuff. You know, he, he has looked like a better guy this year uh, going into the season. And, you know, it is going to be hard for the, it's going to be hard for this team and it's going to be hard for Adrian to get past the, the Illinois, like for people to get past what happened at Illinois, because it's just such a stinker. Like you can still smell it from here, you know? And it's just like, why did that have to happen type of deal, you know, and the fumble before the half. But ever since then, I mean, you can't argue with how he, he's done everything really well the last three games. And I know Buffalo and Fordham aren't the greatest teams. I think Buffalo's a decent team, actually. They took Coastal Carolina the wire. Uh, but yeah, Saturday was, I think you're right, Schaefer. I think it was one of his top three best games. I thought, geez, the play he made right before the Manning touchdown throw, where he he got heat from two Sooners at once, and they he made them collide into each other like the Keystone Cops. He sort of swung out of it, and he scrambled and got it down to the twenty-one. That was, I mean, that's a, just an unbelievable play that you can take for granted. And I, I do, I do think people should go listen, or if they can find it, we wrote about it on our site in the VIP room. But what Alex Grinch, the OU defensive coordinator, said about all the thoughts that go through it defensive guy's head trying to defend him it's worth listening to the other side and it puts some perspective to how much of a headache he is for other teams
0: what do you guys kind of know about this Michigan State team as we sort of turn our attention towards uh, Nebraska's next game I, I don't know if either of you watched that obviously you couldn't watch uh, Michigan State Miami because that was at the same time here as the Nebraska Oklahoma game I had it all and I was paying attention to that did you guys watched the northwestern game at all do you do you have any thoughts on on this michigan state team and and guys like kenneth walker the third and and peyton Thorne and and what mel tucker has going on over at the woodshed
2: i'm i'm eager to see how the defense holds up against a running game that's going to be a little bit different from what they saw against oklahoma oklahoma's run a lot of uh zone type movement Um, trying to find cutback lanes that, you know, they had success doing that. And I think that's actually been a tougher matchup for Nebraska's defense in recent years versus a team that just kind of lines up and just cranks it at you. And I think that's more what they're going to see. You mentioned the play action stuff. That's going to be a challenge. I think that's where maybe it helps you a little bit, having a veteran secondary that you're going to be more aware of that stuff. But it's going to be, you know, kind of what you'd expect from a Michigan state team when they're clicking is just physical football, a uh, complimentary passing game. They've got some playmakers on the outside, but um, this is really going to be for Nebraska about winning on first and second down on defense. And I, I I'm eager to see if they're up to that kind of a challenge. So they, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was more of what Buffalo was going to try to do, was just run right at Nebraska and be physical that way. It's obviously going to be on a different level because it's Michigan State, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's a whole lot of mystery about what Nebraska should be expecting on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I um, I, I, find myself I, – I think I asked – I don't know if it was in their group text or just to you, Bruns, directly, but I, I wondered how – well, Nebraska would be able to, to just kind of adapt to defending a team like Michigan State that there's really no magic in what they're going to do. They're running the ball right at you or off tackle. And if you overcommit to that, they're going to go heavy play action. If you hang your safeties back, they're coming right down the block. I mean, they're just, they're a pretty simple offense. And yet in in the past, regardless of what coaching staff, it feels like these are the games that Nebraska has some of the most trouble with when you know exactly what a team is going to do. And I'm thinking about some of those years against Iowa where nothing, you know, nothing they do is magic, but it's just you have to constantly get the same run fit right over and over and over. BC, what's your, your kind of confidence in, in Nebraska playing a, a little bit of a repetitious game like this where, you know, you, you've got a team that's just going to run, kind of similar
1: plays and run out of the same formation over and over. I think Nebraska's defense is ready for it. I I have a high level of belief in that side of the ball right now. Um, they are going to have to get, get their buddies to the ball. It can't just be one guy, buddy. You got to get your buddies to the ball. We like when people use buddy to start off phrases, uh, the Husker 24, seven crew, but they, they got a gang tackle. Um, if, if, Because Shenander was talking about it today. Kenneth Walker really – he he breaks a ton of tackles, and he's good with leverage, and it's got to be a bunch of people surrounding him. So that's going to be the key. Um, Obviously, Nebraska's linebackers are going to have to be on point. The thing I like about their QB so far, he's maybe not the most dynamic guy in the world, but he's got nine touchdowns, zero picks – so he might be a guy who takes a sack on occasion, as as opposed to throwing it up for grabs. So maybe there's that part, but there is an interesting dynamic at play. Nebraska is trending up as a defense. Most people would agree, and yet there's these sort of statistical outliers that are weird for a team that's doing that. Like their rushing defense is like ranked like 90th right now in yards per rush. Their third down defense is like 91st. Um, are you know, both sides of the ball in the red zone don't rate highly. And, uh, you know, they, Nebraska needs to cause some more turnovers. I think for a team that's in all going to be in all these close games, you want to see this Husker defense go from good to great. And the way to do that is to become that opportunistic group that takes the ball away two or three times a game.
2: Well, especially yeah. especially the, if Nebraska even gets close to the game plan that they had against Oklahoma State, or excuse me, Oklahoma, where you're – trying to limit possessions and be a little bit more deliberate, I guess. Those turnovers are huge. I mean, just think of that that Oklahoma game. If you come down with one of those three that you had a good shot at. I mean, it's like that Reimer
0: one early in the game would have been huge for Nebraska. It's seven to three. He makes that interception. And Nebraska's starting at midfield with a ball in a little moment.
2: Yeah. And so if you can – you know, get one or two of those, I mean, you're kind of in business as a defense. And, and you know, the sacks have been in kind of a discussion this week. Nebraska hasn't really, um, you know, had many since that first half against Illinois. I think teams are getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker on them. Um, and, and the RPO stuff makes that a little bit more difficult. But it, you, you need the sacks. You need – because I mean, you get the second and long, third and long, that's when you – potentially have more turnovers. So um, it kind of all works hand in hand, but th- this seems to me to be a game where you're going to need, you're going to win. Yeah. You, ha- you have to win on, on first down against Michigan state. Cause if you're second manageable second short, I mean, it, it's really going to be, I think a pretty long day with, with the way that this, this offense operates.
0: Brunchy said something that, uh, that had me thinking a little bit. Do you think it would behoove Nebraska to play in a low possession game against Michigan state?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think I, I don't know that it, it does as much against Oklahoma. I, I I do wonder though if that kind of focus on a lower possession number maybe helps you as a play caller dial in a little bit more. Maybe it forces you to to edit a little bit more. I mean that that game more than any in the last three four years. I mean, it, it felt like kind of like a early nineteen nineties football game in some ways, where you only had you know, a small number of possessions, small number of plays, and there was really a, an emphasis on, you know, three, four plays probably make make the difference in that game. But, I mean, I, I think that sometimes the emphasis on playing with pace and go, 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 I think sometimes that actually works against Nebraska in some cases.
0: What I felt like you were saying there is it, it looked and it, it sort of looked like to me this way too, like an NFL
2: game. Yeah, it did. It did. It yeah. felt that way. Yeah. I mean – Brian and I were, were kind of talking in the press box. I mean, you look up, each team had a possession in that first quarter and there was, what, a minute and 30 left? Yep. So, I mean, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad approach um, for, for a team that's right now
1: being kind of paced by its defense. And we talked about this on the drive home. Nebraska actually had, had an opponent that had to drive the field on them. Like the field position for a rare time, slightly favored Nebraska. Now Nebraska itself didn't have good field position. I think it was like on their own twenty-five is their average starting spot. But OU's, I think it was their own twenty, wasn't it? Their average. It was. Starter. Yeah.
2: Nebraska yeah. got a
1: five-yard advantage. I mean, this defense is pretty good, and so if you can keep it, keep having it that way, where you got to make a team go seventy-five yards. That's been the biggest problem for Husker football in this defense to sort of. They haven't got a lot of help in some respects, because if you think back to last year and other seasons, the offense and special teams has often put them kind of behind the eight ball field position wise. And so they don't have much room for error when they actually had that room on Saturday, you saw that, Hey, they're kind of a tough group to work it 75 yards down the field against. And if you do, it's going to take you 13 or 14 plays and chew a lot of clock.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, the Husker hype cash should be really interesting this week, Nebraska, Michigan state under the light, seven Eastern six central. We'll have another special guest with us. Have you always been working on your, uh, your oddly specific predictions. Do you even have game predictions yet here on a Tuesday? I got, I got to dig into the
2: numbers a little bit here. See, see what I can come up with. Yeah. Let's, I got to, I got to tell
1: Friday, right? I have till Friday to do it. So Yeah,
0: well, that's when the Husker Hypecast is released. We do it okay. at four in the morning on Fridays.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good.
0: All right. Well, we'll be back with uh, another podcast later this week. Special guest joining us. Husker Hypecast. Be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out the website. Mention that Omar Manning story. That was great. Plenty of other content on the site right now. Husker 24-7. Be sure to check that out. We will catch you with the next podcast later this week.